Hi, this is Jacqueline Scott, and you are listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson welcoming you to TV Confidential. Radio talk show about television. Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen are with us as we begin the hour with a look at television series finales, definitive final episodes of TV series, a phenomenon that in many respects was pioneered by the final episodes of The Fugitive and the Mary Tyler Moore Show, and which has been a cultural touchstone that has fed water, cooler, fodder, and more recently, Twitter memes for three generations of television viewers. There is a new book out by Syracuse University Press, aptly called Television Finales, that explores 71 of the most notable series finales of the past five decades, why they are important to critics and to viewers alike, and what they mean to the audience, both in terms of their sense of narrative and as episodes that epitomize the entire show itself. Joining us now are the co-editors of Television Finales, Douglas Howard and David Biancooli. Doug is the academic chair of the English department on the Ammerman campus at Suffolk County Community College in New York. He's also the editor of Dexter, Dexter Investigating Cutting Edge Television. There's a pun there. Uh (laughs) And a co-editor of The Essential Sopranos Reader. Doug Howard, welcome to our program. Thanks so much. Also with us is our returning champion, David Biancooli, longtime (laughs) television critic and longtime guest host and contributor to Fresh Air on NPR. David also runs the website tvworthwatching.com, plus he is the author of such books as How TV Became Terrific, The Platinum Age of Television, From I Love Lucy to The Walking Dead, and a personal favorite of Tony and mine, Dangerously Funny, The Uncensored Story of the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. Oh, bless you both. Bless you both. (laughs) (laughs) It's been far too long, but welcome back to our program. Thanks a lot. Doug, in the introduction that you wrote for television finales, one of the points you make is that as viewers, we like series finales because they give us a sense of closure. And yet at the same time, they don't give us any closure because no matter how good it is, the finale can never satisfy the desire for closure. Isn't that a paradox? Yeah, it totally is. It's the strange thing about the finale. And I think it's the thing that they found out when they did The Fugitive, right? I mean, that they that the viewers wanted to know how the story worked out. They wanted to see an ending, and I think the ratings certainly reflected that. And, and so, like, when you're, you're following a serial narrative, like, of course, you do want to see the end of it. So the producers and the writers, they've been kind enough to come up with these shows and give us these endings. And so on the one hand, we do get a sense of closure. We do get a chance to say goodbye, but the endings are never, they're never really over. There's always a a thread, I think, that the writers seem to leave hanging there, and I guess there's always the opportunity to come back for more. I mean, I think one of the things I said about The Fugitive, I think one of the best moments on that show was, in the finale, was the last scene where Kimball's walking away, and he's walking away with his girlfriend, and his name's been cleared, and the police car pulls up next to him, and he looks at the car like he's still in trouble. And so that kind of reminds you, lets you know that for this character, like, the events of this series are never really going to be over. Like, they're never going to be over. So I think they also kind of set the stage for so many of the finales that came afterwards. So many of them have these endings, and there's always the 
opportunity or the possibility for more. And I think that's one of the things about television, right? Like that they could always go back to the well, and in many cases they have. So, like, the endings are never really over. And then there's always the fact that we continue to talk about them, and we're doing that now. So as much as these things are done, we're still kind of chewing on what happened and thinking about what it meant. And, you know, I mean, in the case of The Sopranos, we're wondering, you know, exactly what went on in that final scene. So, yeah, it is the paradox of the ending. It gives us closure, but then in many ways it doesn't. David, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, he mentioned The Sopranos and The Fugitive, and they tie perfectly together because the last shot of The Fugitive, you have David Jansen's character still being nervous. I mean, that's his life, even though he's been cleared. And the last shot of Tony Soprano is looking up somewhat nervously at the front door when the bell rings and somebody else is coming in. So it's sort of like, that's the life these two guys both have. Um, you don't know how long it is for David Jansen. There's a lot of argument about how long it is for James Gandolfini's character of Tony Soprano. Yeah, yeah. I, since we're probably going to be spoiling a lot of endings in the conversation here, like, I mean, one of the, the examples I, I like to think about as far as closure and uh, endings not being the end is Prison Break. Is if you watched the end of the first series of Prison Break, they kill off the main character. I mean, he's the last shot. It's pretty clear he's dead. I mean, that seems about as definitive as you could get, right? That they the main character is dead. And then a couple years later, actually, he's alive, and he's in a Middle Eastern prison. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) So even in a situation like that, you know, where the ending is supposed to be the end, it wasn't the end. Well, you can say that about the Roseanne finale. Um, Yeah, there you go. You you killed off a major character, and then they wanted to bring the show back, and how do you deal with that? I think that's it, you know, and that's why on television, I, I guess there's never really a final act. You think there is, but then there's always the chance for more. And then it's like, even if they don't go back to the well and there's not like a reboot or a restart or a sequel, so like the viewers, there's always like the question of, of what happened. And in some cases, like fans will, will be writing fan fiction even after the show has ended. And people are still thinking about it in their minds and their imaginations. Like, even if the show's done and it's not coming back. Dave, I sound like there's a point you want to make about Roseanne, but we had press talk. Well, there's some shows that shouldn't come back. Their finales were either good or bad the first time. I mean, with Roseanne, that was a really bad last season and ending. So the idea to revive it and try to reclaim it is okay. I actually think that the best finales are like gymnastics routine. And if you skip the landing, you know, you get a better grade, and you walk away, and you're a winner. And a great ending, like Breaking Bad gives you, you don't need to go back. But then they go back with a prequel and a sequel with Better Call Saul, and it's just as good. So the rules are made to be stretched. Yeah, I want to say, you know, David makes a great point about sticking the landing, you know, and it's it's one of the things that fascinates me about the psychology of the finale is, you can have a show that is kind of losing steam, and if they stick the ending, like, that seems to be the thing that lingers, you know? Like, they could... Ed, I think you talk about this, and other people have talked about, like, that, the last season of The Fugitive, and maybe that wasn't the strongest season of the show, but the ending is very strong, and, you know, and that's the thing that stays with people when they talk about The Fugitive is the ending, the last episode. Like, they don't say, well, like, the third episode of the fourth season wasn't so great. And that's what, what stays. And, and, and the contrary is also true. Like, 
you could have a show that's doing so well and you have a lackluster ending and that hangs around like the smell of burnt toast. <laughs> yeah. Or like the smell of loss. <laughs> 45 years of the Rockford Files, revised third edition, the complete history of the Rockford Files on television, now completely updated with more than 20 new interviews, additional photographs, and a whole lot more. 45 years of the Rockford Files, available now at rockford45.com, rockford45.com. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at tvconfidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.